All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 115 of the Rink Shrinks. What do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. All right, Mots, we are, you know, kind of a little bit of a lull here, right? It's that in between, you know, tryout time. I know there's still some state tournaments going on, but how's everything going with you? Doing pretty well. Uh, this past weekend, uh, my daughter Brooks' team lost in the semis. She was playing for the uh, the Duxbury Town team with the boys. Some pretty good players out there, and unbelievable game before. It was like whatever the quarters, four mm-hmm. overtimes. Oh, yeah, it was just it was great. Like I was more nervous, like you know, on the outside of the glass and. She's still doing like TikTok dances, like at whistles. I'm like, what are you doing? Get focused. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was it was pretty cool uh, weekend of hockey. You know, um, so that was the the Massachusetts State tournament. Yeah, the, okay. the town. Yeah, yeah, and this, like I said, there's some good players there, and she's playing with the boys, and it's um, it's really good. You know, there was some kids that. We're driving to the games, it looked like, but um, I mean, she's a whole peanut. <laughs> Mots but, is checking the birth certificates. Yeah, that I'm that guy. Be like, oh, the kid, oh, he has a mustache. You know, how old is he? You know, <laughs> but um, no, it was great. And then uh, on to baseball season here. Um, you know, so Ryan had a game today. Uh, lefty on the mound. He's a lefty hitter, and um, you know, a little. Change up knees. Yeah, it was like a, you know, like a spinner that came out of the kid's hand, hit him in the helmet, and try, trying to fire up the boys. I'm like, dude, like it was a muffin. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're not wearing that. Hey, it's yeah, good but, for the on base percentage, though. Yeah, no, so it's good, and uh, it was pretty cool because he was able to play against one of his former teammates uh, for a long time, Jack Fitzgerald. He uh, plays first base for Brantree High right now. He's going to Dayton to play D1 baseball, um, but he was our goalie growing up and great kid, great athlete. And talking to his dad, Dave, who who played minor league ball, he's like, he he really benefited from, you know, the hockey, uh, you know, when it came to baseball season. You know, he has a really good stretch at first and, you know, just kind of talking about the transferable skill sets that we always talk about. So it was, it was cool to see those guys. The baseball shrinks. Here we go. Yeah, t- chatting it up at first base after uh, you know a little muffin hit him in the helmet. <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah, J- Jack's a good athlete. Yeah, you know, r- ripping the ball. So we wish him the best. Uh, you know, next year in uh, college baseball will be fun to uh, follow his progress. And he's playing for the Brockton Rocks this year. Oh, I'm gonna have to check out a game. Exactly. So that's what I said. Oil can uh, Boyd still pitching for them <laughs> yeah, down there. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit more of a developmental league now, and uh, it'll be a good opportunity for him to see Well, I some... think the the Brockton Rocks last year at one point in time had like Manny Ramirez's kid, Pedro's kid, Sheffield. Gary Sheffield, Ortiz. maybe Ortiz, and then yeah. the, somebody else. Like uh, There was like four or five like legit Hall of Fame you know, Red Sox and MLB guys whose kids are on the team, so that that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, really cool. And it's a great stadium, and Close to uh, where where I grew up, so definitely uh, we, we close have to, to Mike Motto sh- way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have to have a shrinks outing uh, sometime this summer, and you know, transferable skill sets, we'll call it. Yeah, exactly. No, we could afford that trip. 
Yeah, I know. Can't do the big team, the big league, but no, we could do the the whatever it is, semi-pro, single-A ball. Uh, no, that's great. Yeah, same thing here. Obviously, we we lacrosse season started up last uh, over the weekend. I was down in in you know south of Boston uh, in the I forget exactly where we were, but it was like the you know the 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 chain coffee place hub of the universe like every corner that i passed it was like a mary lou's coffee shop a honeydew a dunkin donuts and then there was like friendlies the, every corner was unbelievable i'm like geez like you, you can get a coffee anywhere did you partake and yeah i i ended up needing gas and the mary so i i ended up hitting mary lou's right, there you go. Yeah, i'm more of a honeydew guy usually but you know yeah. whatever i went for mary lou's for the convenience because it came with the gas you know two <laughs> for one two for yeah. one and then loaded up on i got some snacks going for the for the game because i had a back-to-back you know a little bit of a double header so i uh you know sunday afternoon down down on the south shore so it was yeah. all good but yeah same thing actually we have a game um Cushing's playing there on Saturday. Saturday, yeah, yeah. So, we'll have we'll have to do a little uh, outing. You know, you want to talk post. about outing? Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah. Brian also had a game today. I texted him all how to go. He said they won. They played the Middlesex school, and uh, I said, "Oh, did do you get in?" He goes, "No." He goes, "But I, you know, my talking it up game was great." I said, "Hey, that's <laughs> that's it. Just yes. be engaged, be a good teammate. That's what it's all about. You're only a freshman, kid." Well, and that's a. I was talking to uh, you know a buddy of mine whose kids on the team as well, and you know the difference between hockey and baseball. I, I really enjoy. We talk about like you know kids being multi-sport, but the difference between baseball and hockey, where you know hockey is a game of mistakes and it's reactionary, and you know it's it's constantly processing because the, the game is in motion. Um, baseball is very static. So it's more of a mental – you can process the play that you need to make before you do it. So you have to be mentally focused. Um, you know, it can be slow, so you have to, you know, stay in it Engaged. mentally. Engaged, yep. Uh, it's the most individualistic team sport out there where, you know, you're in the box, no one's coming to help you. If You know, you're on an island when the ball gets hit to you. You have to have those skill sets, physical skill sets to, you know, um, make the plays. Or hit the ball, but I just love it because it's just such a, like a 180 from from hockey, and you know hockey is a demanding sport physically as well. So um, I just enjoy that that kind of like break for like the the muscle the muscles that you use, and also the mental side of it. So uh, and I like you know popping a chair out and sitting in the sun. Yeah, that doesn't. Uh... This time of year, especially in New England, it's not the easiest, like when it's a little bit chilly and, and, and things like that. But when the sun's shining and it's like, you know, between 70 and 80 degrees, like there really is nothing better. Nice mm. little lawn chair, maybe a cooler. <laughs> Good to go. Yeah, Good fresh cut go. grass and just like yeah. enjoying it. You know? You're all set. It's not You're for everyone, set. but it is for me. It's for you. Uh, that's cool stuff about the state tournament. Obviously, I know um, you know that 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 took place around here, and there was a lot of teams and and people I was talking to at the lacrosse field on Sunday. that kids were playing, and you know, obviously, highly intense games. I heard about some cowbell guys out there, and oh you know, oh yeah, the the usual. And, and then I know uh, there's some summer hockey stuff that's going on right now. I was actually out um, 
at a rink on on Saturday, and I saw you know the the, the summer tryouts going on and different things. There's all the, the stress factor. Hockey season just doesn't sleep. A lot of people are coming up and they're saying, "Hey, you're listening and all that stuff," but they're playing hockey. They're continuing to 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 stay in the ranks. I get two parents at each at at a tryout. You know making sure little Johnny doesn't screw up and things like that. So they get pretty intense up there and, uh, but it's all, all good stuff. Everybody loves it. The kids are uh, engaged and, and having a good time, but this time of year is great. It's nice to kind of be a little bit, you know, away from the rank and not have so much going on and obviously gearing up for NHL playoff hockey. And it was, uh, it was pr- really cool to see the, the NCAA tournament um, over the past weekend, obviously some, you know, that, that that's going to be great following up, um, you know, not this weekend, but next down in Tampa, uh, the final four was set and uh, obviously cool to see, you know, the Jay Pandolfo do it in his first year. That was, uh, that was great. Yeah, no, it was, it's so fun to watch. Like I, I watched that uh, Penn state Michigan game mm-hmm. and, you know, you're living and dying you know, as a fan, you know, you have no horses in the race type thing, but you know how important it is to the kids and, um, you know, to the programs. And it was just, it's just really, you know, you're getting everyone's best shift, you're getting everyone, everyone's best effort. So it's, it's, you know, just a step below the, you know, the, the playoff hockey in the NHL that we'll see uh, coming up here, but the level of care, right. Everyone's pulling mm-hmm. in the same direction and, um, I always said, like in pro hockey, the closer you can get to a team that cares as much as like a junior team or, or a college team, you're going to have success and everyone's pulling in the right direction for the right reasons. Um, you know, I know, you know, the, the pro side of things, you know, it's a business, but ultimately when you can get that chemistry in the room, it applies to the ice. And that's what you see in this in the NCAAs. And it's it's, it's really good hockey. Yeah, no, it's great, and it'll be fun to watch uh, starting up Thursday, the the 6th, April 6th, Minnesota and BU, and then Quinnipiac and Michigan. There's a lot of talent, and we're seeing a lot of, you know, kids that didn't make it now signing NHL contracts. So it's, you know, college hockey is uh, is humming along, and there's a lot of people that are getting in their first games and things like that to kind of close out the, reg- the the rest of the regular season in the NHL. So it's exciting times of uh, to be watching TV, that's for sure. Yeah, I think this is like the best time. You know, you get yeah. baseball starting up. Oh, got- yeah. Here we go. Moss with this baseball talk. <laughs> Opening day tomorrow. Yeah. yeah so. No, that'll be fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you got the playoffs. You got baseball starting up. You got ba- uh, basketball kind of winding down into their playoffs. It's, yeah. uh, it's But it's the NCAA basketball, that's actually pretty yeah. fun to watch. So, like, you get, being a sports fan, like, right now, it's, like, really neat. So, no, a lot, lot to watch on the on the television or or get out and and get to a arena and watch so good stuff yeah no it is uh Mots, this is obviously we got a mailbag episode so before we get into it we have a lot of questions that we're going to try to get to this week because there were so many around the tryout time but um this mailbag is brought to you by our guys at tsr hockey and tax-free salem new hampshire where you can stock up on all your equipment needs for the remainder of the season, the spring season, summer season, whatever it is, TSR stocks team apparel from CCM and Bauer and does everything in-house. Uh, you can reach their team store at 603-912-5970. Ask for Micah, Dave. They'll set you up. Obviously, now's the time of year where your fittings are getting done and you want to make sure your team looks sharp. 
going into next season, right? Next season in the fall of uh, 2023. So give those guys a buzz up there at the team store. Again, ask for Micah Dave, 603-912-5970. TSR is New England's premier hockey store and is a proud sponsor of the Rink Shrinks, one of the original sponsors of the Rink Shrinks. Visit TSRHockey.com for all your shopping needs. And make sure when you stop by the show or you give them a call, uh, I'm sorry, the store, you uh, tell them the Rink Shrink sent you. They like to, you know, they love to chat about us, right? They're good people, um, TSRHockey.com. Check out their website. But this is the time after tryouts that you make sure that you get your your team outfitted and get the, those orders in because they'll take care of you up there in Salem, New Hampshire. Yep. Um, all right, Mots, let's get right into the mailbag here. All right, I have two nephews new to hockey. One is a 10U and the other is 8U. 8U is a gifted skater with natural ability. I used to bring my kid to the, to Michigan every year when Red had the AAA camps for 12 and up up to when he went to college but they're not doing the same style of format anymore it seems sorry uh where can i suggest my cousin send his kids for camp he's not a a player and knows a little about the game so i'm helping him navigate things a little i heard you mentioned some camps you'll be doing on the pod but didn't have a chance to write them down the 8u has potential to be a solid triple a player one day both kids are doing multiple sports but they seem to be solid with playing hockey. They love the sport and idolize my kid and go see him play at Western Michigan pretty regularly. Thanks, guys. That's great. I mean, like as far as – I mean, so uh, Red Berenson was a longtime yep. coach at Michigan, like great hockey guy, played in the league. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that – One of what? the great one of the great college hockey coaches, right? Exactly. Um but yeah, so we've we've talked about you know satellite uh, camps. Would love to come to Michigan and and do something out there. We um, have something locally here in the in the Boston area that we're we're doing. And but as far as promoting and you know encouraging, um, you know, so you're talking about your cousin who didn't have you know he doesn't have like the kind of idea on what to do with his kids this is like you know important you know you want to put them in the right things you know like some of them are like just money grabs and you know you're not going to learn anything you on the ice the kids will be on the ice but also you want to know who's doing it uh if if it's in michigan and if they're going to get something out of it you know u8 and u10 they're still you know relatively young but they're starting to get it and if they have that you know drive to get on the ice and try and get better um, um, there's plenty of camps I'm sure that you can kind of work through, but knowing the, the instructors, making sure that they're going to be there and, and kind of like their message behind it. Um, you know, you just have to do a little homework in my opinion. Mots, I was just going to say that one of the biggest thing is, is making sure that whoever is advertising that is going to be there is actually there and it's going to be on the ice, right? Because yeah. there's a lot of, like you said, kind of money grabs out there where people use, you know, let's just say Red Baronson's camp, for example, but Red Baronson's never there, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, and that's just an example. But it could be a, a good camp with like good staff. It just, you just have to do a little bit of homework on it and yep. make sure that, you know, you're not just, you know, throwing your money away to get some, you know, another donation. Time. Yeah. Right. 
So right, yeah. But I, I I guess I would look to just you know to to add on to it is, you know, one thing that we've always tried to do is build on things, right? And not you know the the one week camps can be a lot of fun. Um, and you know, for example, we're doing one down the Cape. I'm sorry, down in Nantucket this summer. My brother and I, and it'll be a, a lot of fun, a lot of instruction and things like that. But it's something if you live close by, if you can get something that's going to be, you know, like a six weeks, and you're on the ice a couple days a week. So there's that progression um, throughout the summer, and it, it kind of stays involved. That's something that that I've always find to be a pretty good model as well. And I'm sure out in that Michigan area. Uh, there's, there's, you know, a lot of different hockey guys doing different things. There's a lot of great hockey guys that, that, that are out there. So I'm sure there's something, and I know USA hockey, uh, around this time of year typically puts out a, um, you know, like a summer camp type of guide, uh, in, in one of their magazines. So that might be something to look into as well. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff in in the back of that magazine that I, I saw. So, um, just a few options, um, you know, or, or reach out. We'll, we'll come out and, and do something uh, for some some Michigan uh, youth hockey. So yeah, let's go, let's go. All right, March, you got the next one here. Yep. Um, our Pee Wee team had a second child hurt in the locker room in less than a year. The first incident was when the coach's son was messing around with a new kid on the team, and he jumped on the boy's back. The new kid then threw him off his back i forgot to mention the coach's son still had his skates on as he was thrown off his foot kicked up and cut our goalie's finger the goalie was sitting on the bench taking off his skates he required some stitches second incident the coach's son was messing around once again with the assistant coach's son this time he didn't have his skates on but the assistant coach's son did and he stepped on the coach's son's foot requiring some stitches and he's out for six weeks that was our weekend uh wah, wah. yeah does a coach or an adult need to be in the locker room with peewee majors the kids were yelling at them to stop and were so scared because of what happened to the la- uh, the goalie last time kids were standing on the bench and picking up their feet and some ran into the showers to pr- protect their feet what are your thoughts by i mean i would say typically at the peewee major level that you know adults really shouldn't be in the locker room with the kids. I, I, I think the coaches or parents should, you know, monitor things and make sure that things aren't getting out of hand. Kids are, you know, getting dressed or undressed or whatever, you know, point in time we're at in practice here. But um, obviously this team and, you know, the coaches, kids, uh, goddamn coaches, kids, huh, Mott? Um <laughs> But there's been some issues. So, uh, you know, I think it falls on the coach. He's got to police the locker room. He's got to make sure that these issues aren't continuing to take place. Obviously, stitches and and, and things like that. Nobody wants to be leaving a rink, going to the emergency room for, um, you know, stitches when kids are just screwing around. It's something that happens on the ice. It's one thing. But nonsense that can be avoided by, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, monitoring is always very helpful. So this situation needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed by the coaches to the kids and make sure that there's, you know, somebody kind of at the very least outside the door monitoring the situation as much as possible, making sure that kids aren't, you know, because kids will be kids. I mean, let's be honest, the, the, the locker room is a fun place to be and you should be, you know, hanging around with your buddies and, and, and things like that. But when kids are getting hurt, obviously there's an issue. Yeah, I mean, the common thread here is, you know, the coach's kid. And (laughs) it's like, you know, it is 
okay to like horse around at times, but when people are getting hurt, there has to be some kind of level of, you know, authority in there to make sure that you're not messing around enough, you know, when, when kids are getting hurt. So you right. kind of like nailed it. Um, I would just, you know, a second year uh, peewees, you know, the kids are old enough to understand that this is a time, you know, you, you let your hair down a little bit, not hair down, but it's just like, you know, it's a little bit of a release, like to get in the locker room and, and do the locker room stuff, but it has to be monitored, um, you know, by the, by the coach. No, right. no parents would be in there, but when, you know, incidents like this happen, it's unfortunate that, you know, some people have gotten hurt, but uh, ultimately it shouldn't happen. You can still mess around and not, um, you know, keep it within the, the rail. So, yeah, I would just say it's on the coach to make sure that, you know, he has a good handle on the, you know, behavior of the team, even when they're just messing around. Right. 100%. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, shop skates here, mm-hmm. head on over to sparkshockey.com and use the code BYMOTS for $50 off your Spark Sharpener. Sparks is the at-home sharpening machine that will never fail. Sparks is the gift that keeps on giving to hockey players and parents. It's convenient, easy to use, and will save you money in the long run. With Sparks, you get an accurate sharpening every single time. Again, head to sparkshockey.com and order your machine today. Again, use that code BYMOTS for $50 off your Sparks sharpener. Um, and make sure you're putting skate guards on those skates because you don't want to be giving anybody stitches when they're all buzzed up, right? That's right. Yeah, no, and the funny thing is we were ready to uh, get out the door for Brooks, uh, you know, games this weekend, and she's like, Dad, do you think, um, you know, I could get a quick skate shopping? And I'm like, you know how to run it, but, like, she was doing some stuff. So I went down, popped, uh, you know, one skate on, got some uh some food going came back down it's it's it was 10 minutes and she has her skate shop ready to go no excuses so it was uh it was actually like extremely convenient we talk about it all the time but check out sparkshockey.com and use by mods for 50 bucks off you won't regret it if if brooke was messing around the locker room she would have cut off a toe with those shop skates she had with thanks to sparks you know that's right. I, I got the four swipes. What, what do you do? Four. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, good. I do the four. And that seems to be the standard. That's what, you know, it's kind of set to. And, and you know, I, I definitely have a couple times just for a, uh, you know, a little, like a, a reassuring, you know, hey, after you get two games or three games in a weekend, maybe the skates aren't too dulled out yet, right? So you just buzz them through twice or something. Uh, but typically I, I, I go with four passes. Yeah, so I, I do the uh, the stone before and then no stone after, you know, just to get oh, that, oh, that's your style. Yeah, just get like the burrs it. off and let, let the Spox machine work its magic. Yeah, that's what it does. All right, I got the next one here. Question for you guys I have a freshman playing high school hockey, he's been playing since the last year of squirts, where he's always been one of the stud players, lots of skill. Good skater, nice shot. Well, long story, uh, LOL. During his last year at Pee Wee's, he was offered to move up to play Bantam. We thought it was an awesome idea as he'd get used to playing bigger, faster kids and introduce him to checking early. Well, one of his first games, he took a, pr- uh, took a pretty big high hit. As a result, it made him play really timid and shy and shy away from contract contact 90% of the time. Since then, he's played AAA hockey in the BHL. 
and started high school hockey this year. There are shifts when he plays awesome, but sometimes it just seems like he's lost. Not sure if he's worrying about not getting not getting hit so much that it keeps him from playing his game. So now he's on a lower line on his high school, and there are games where he doesn't play much at all. And it really gets to him. First question, is finding a good check-in clinic something that may help? And the second question how does he prove to his coach he can be reliable and a good player if he can't get much ice time? Sorry for the biography here, boys. Love the pod. Keep up the great work. Well, there's a few things here, in my opinion. It's natural to be hesitant after you get blown up and you're not, you know, ready to absorb hits uh, like you should. You know, and I, I can speak to this. You know, from my son's point of view, you know, I can, from what I've seen, you know, he was a little timid at times going into a battle or like a, you know, like a, an area where there is going to be contact. But then this year he was much better because he put the work in. He's more confident, you know, absorbing hits and giving hits. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's a little bit of a mental, physical combination in my opinion, because um, once you get over that mental hurdle, then the physicality isn't as scary, number one. And then, you know, if you have a good checking clinic or if, or if someone's talking about this stuff, it's really about skating and angles. Every once in a while, you're going to be head on and you have to kind of like, you know, grab your, your cup and go, right, <laughs> and show up and... <laughs> But more often than not, it's angles and you you separate the player from the puck. Um, but I would say a good checking clinic would would help reinforce some of the things that we we're just you know talking about, you know, like the skating, the angles, stick position, and then the physicality. But absorbing checks, like you know, talking with Adam Oates, that's one of the biggest things for players, how to absorb a check, whether you have the puck, or if you just get rid of the puck and you're protecting yourself. Um, but I think that's, it's natural, you know, like to, to have some hesitation after maybe getting exposed to it a little early and then, you know, having say some negative results by getting blown up. Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a very big jump to go from peewees to bantams, especially when the checking starts, like you just said, about, um, you know, Brooks square team, right? It looked like some of the kids had mustaches and things mm -hmm. like that. When you get to that, that peewee to bantam level, if your kid's going to play up, you better be damn sure that he's going to be ready to do it. And he's ready for the contact because you're going to be playing against kids that are, you know, hitting puberty, developing, and it can be very scary. We've all been through it. I've been through it now a couple of times with my boys. And, you know, this, some of these kids, they're pretty reckless out there. They don't know how to hit. They don't know when to hit. And it can be uh, very scary. So, you know, m you know, one of these messages is like, be careful if your kid is a pretty good player and somebody asks you to make that jump up an age level because I've, I've seen it become very scary times. Um the other thing too, and I, you know, I think you touched on it when you talked about, you know, your your son playing and the confidence that he has and the physicality of the game. I think, you know, he's getting to that age where the off ice workouts and things like that become very important. Um, you know, you see Ryan become, you know, his 
body changed so much in the last couple of years because of the work that he's putting in off the ice. So he's getting stronger. His legs are getting stronger. His upper body's getting stronger. So that is translating into confidence on the ice and going into those battle type situations. So that's something that I would su- suggest at this age group is make sure he's with a trainer doing some off ice workouts, um, you know, throughout the summer, a strong summer program for, you know, eight weeks or, or whatever it may be. There's a lot of good options um, all over. You know, there's, there's so many good strength and conditioning coaches out there um, that, that you can look into depending on where, um, you know, where, where, where they live. Um, so I would look into that. And then also, like you said, the check-in clinic piece I think is very important. Um, and then it's figuring out, right? Like you said, it's, you know, you, you, the game changes in this. Unfortunately, we've seen a lot of this recently is, you know, the kids that get really confident with the puck and carrying the puck from mites through uh, peewees, you know, with their head down and toe dragging and being able to stick handle and, and, and go end to end and things like that. Like that changes. The hockey changes big time when they get to the bantam level. Like it really, really does. It's a big jump. So you just have to, you know, encourage your kid, like even if they're going end to end at the younger age groups, like you've got to move the puck, you've got to see it and you've got to make sure your coaches are reinforcing it or the coach, you know, the coaches that are listening out there. It's like, you know, you've got to be constantly reminding younger players like, hey, in another year or two, like that play is not going to happen anymore. Like Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to go end to end. Um, Mots, the last thing that we really didn't hit on here is, is like, yeah. You know, and, 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 but also, um, you know, yeah. Like how do, how do you prove to your coach? You know, I, I guess it just, it really has to start in practice because a lot of coaches aren't gonna, you know, they're not going to put kids out there, especially when it gets to uh, high school hockey, when the ice times are in. So you've really got to earn their trust and, you know, show them the abilities that you have in practice and, and, you know, that you're getting bigger, stronger and faster and you you're confident enough to, be put out there in all key situations. Yeah, and and that's something as say good or bad as it, it may be, like the like the eye test on battles and physicality, and because it is more physical, you know, when high school players are are kind of getting in, in into those those areas. Um, if there is a player that's a little more timid than the next that other player is going to get more opportunity. Right. You know, just like, you know, you, you can call it courage, confidence, whatever you want to do. Um, even if you're getting blown up, but you're showing up, you know, a coach would appreciate that. But if you're timid, taking timid routes to pucks, not really engaging, then he's going to immediately think that you're not a reliable player. Right. So it, it kind of all goes together. And, you know, to answer the question is like, it's going to happen when that say confidence with contact, and then you get into those areas and then the coach will be like, all right, now I can, you know, rely on this kid to win a 50, 50 puck battle or get to the puck first when he needs to, or whatever. So yeah. I think not be I think, afraid. Yeah. I just think it all goes together. Um, you know, the, the re- reliability for, you know, being a good player and and getting more ice time from the coach through that confidence with absorbing and giving contact. Right. No, absolutely. Uh, Thanks for the question, Amats. We got one from Texas here. You want to take it? Yeah. Good day from Texas. (laughs) Good day. 
I, 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 I don't have a that southern was. accent. Yeah. So. Uh, Howdy, y'all. <laughs> my name is Eric, and my son, Lil E, Lil E, yeah, was let go from his previous hockey team despite having great feedback from his coaches regarding his attitude, work ethic, skating ability, and being coachable. Now the coach recommended him to join their team and even invited him to paid summer camp sessions. That was nice of him. Uh, <laughs> however, after tryouts, Lil E was not select, selected for the team and was told by the coach that he needs another year of development and recommends an outside uh, school PE hockey program. Lil E ended up joining a team with players with very little experience and played, um, always has uh, bigger than his size. Our issue is potentially coming across the coach again for next season's tryouts, and we don't feel like we can trust him after this situation. How would how would should we approach this situation? Thank you, and have a great day. And that's from Eric from Biggie from Biggie. Biggie, um, Biggie, Biggie. Can't you see? Uh, yeah, it's a tough situation. I know that that was a pretty lengthy email. We tried to kind of. You know, we, we didn't want to bore you with all of our reading, but um, you know, it's a definitely a tough situation. Obviously, to get led on by a coach who was obviously kind of a little bit of a money grab, trying to you know inviting him to a paid summer camp and things like that. And I know that little E, you know, put in the work and and, and did his thing, but you know, he's just gotta, you know, he's just gotta fight through it. He's gotta earn the confidence in the coach and potentially make that team. If there's other options, obviously, you gotta weigh them. Um, and see if there's other potential teams that that he could possibly go to, so he doesn't have to you know deal with that coaching staff again. But if that's your only option, um, you got to put the work in and, and 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 grow and develop and use it as a motivator, right? Like use it as that motivation to let the coach know that hey, you made a mistake here, right? You should have yeah. taken me last year, right? Yeah, you know, just having that mentality of you know, proving people wrong. And that's like one of the biggest things, like we don't talk about it a ton, but like we talk about, you know, it's a nicer way to say that internal, you know, burning Motivation. desire, right? Yeah. It's like being, but like you can use this as a motivator to be, you know, um, the better player moving forward and just keep mm -hmm. working at it and prove people wrong. And that's one of the things that, that chip on your shoulder goes a long way extremely long way. I mean, like, look at Tom Brady. He was making stuff up to be motivated later in his career, you know, right. but like, it was like the Brady six, like, oh, he got drafted, like, you know, the sixth, you know, quarterback in that draft, but yet he still used it like 20 years later. Right. It's like, yeah. you know, 17 Super Bowls later. I know, but what I'm saying though, that chip though is, is real. And you, you know, you can, kind of encourage that be like hey you know they didn't want you like you know show them why you deserve to be on this team and use it as a positive right, right. yeah yeah i mean one of the best motivators out there is to prove people wrong and shut them up right yeah and that's it, it's real i mean you, you think about it and like we talk if it's not internal something like this can kind of spark that drive to be the best and, and continue to work at you know, being the best player you can be and um, doing whatever it takes to prove people wrong. Right. Well, good question from uh, Big E there. All right. I uh, love the pod. A little backstory. I've coached high school football, golf, uh, high school football, golf for the last 18 years. My son loves hockey. I've never played hockey. I want to do everything I can to help my, my soon-to-be first-year squirt. 
We have him with the skating coach once a week, and he just finished his first year of travel mites. With full ice on the horizon, I want to make sure that he has all the tools he needs to have fun and be successful. Any advice, books, websites, articles, I have the basic that that you would suggest. I have the basic knowledge of the game, but want um, want more to help him. Thank you. All right. It sounds like it, if you're a coach, you know, it doesn't really matter the sport. It's really about you know, kind of like what we talk about all the time, it's like the mindset, the the preparation, the time you put in, um, and you know, just looking for advice from you know, like a book, website, article. There's there's a lot out there that you can look up, but it's really just putting the time in, mm-hmm. um, you know, off the ice. You know, if you can find a spot to shoot pucks, like shooting pucks is like the best thing for a kid to do. And I I saw this thing uh, on Instagram. He's a, he's a good coach, um, you know, talking about development and talking about Connor Bradad. And it's like it, it's not like he had a shooting coach. He right. just shot pucks and he figured it out. You know, like in that's one of the things that is lacking, I think, right now is like, oh, you always need you know, like a specific this, you need a specific that. Everything has to be structured. Go out and shoot pucks and figure it out. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, that that's just one part of the game, obviously. But you have a skating coach, that's gonna be huge because you haven't you didn't play, you kind of help them on that. And the best thing you can do is put them in the positions like you are and support. And that's the that's the the key for any um, parent, whether you're played or not. So I think you're doing a good job, um, you know, just from this question, in my opinion. And you have a good in the fact on. you're listening to 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 us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, but also though, like you know, being a coach, like you you already have a good sense on, you know, you're just looking for more, which is absolutely. Um, natural, right? Uh, to to help your kid in any way you can. But I think you're on the path, the skating coach, and then just getting out there and just getting reps on things that you can, that your son can uh, improve on on his own. Right. No, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Mots. That was perfect. I mean, I wouldn't say like, you know, there was no books or anything like that 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 no. that we read. I mean, I was uh, so I can't really suggest anything. Obviously, you know, hearing different guys' stories and paths and, and and things like that that we try to educate people on here with the pod, um, I think is great. And and hearing about different stories and you know, I love hearing and learning from them. Uh, you know, we were I was fortunate enough to have my father that was such a big influence on us, right? So. You know, he was kind of our encyclopedia or, or you know, that where, where all of our hockey knowledge came from. And, and he was the same way where, you know, he learned, and but he was a coach too. So it's the same thing, whether he coached hockey or he coached baseball or lacrosse or golf or football, like same thing. I think some of the best coaches learn from other coaches that coach different sports as well, right? Like I can yep. remember at, at, at UNH, Dick Umilly and Sean McDonald, who was the football coach, um, you know, Coach Emilio was obviously our hockey coach, but like he would have Coach McDonald come in and talk to us before g- big games, and and you know th- those guys would have lunch together, you know, probably once a week, probably probably even more than that. But and they just bounce things off of each other. So I think as a coach, you know, just educating yourself and talking to people um, is really really important, and I think it'll help your son. And like you said, much that unstructured type stuff, going out in the yard encouraging your kid to go out and play play street hockey play you know 
shoot pucks, get out on your rollerblades. Like all that type of stuff is is really really important. And you know, versus like something that you can read in a book, right? Because people do sometimes because oh well, this book said this. Well, you know what? Not everybody's path is the same. You know, we've heard a million stories about how you know this kid didn't start playing hockey till he was 10, 11 years old, or this kid started, you know, with a skating coach when he was four. Like it, it just, you know, the, it, you navigate it and take it one t- one step at a time and, and trust that process. Yeah. And there's some good stuff out there on Instagram. You know, you can scroll, um, you know, like hockey development and stuff like that. And you'll, you'll find some stuff, you pick it up. And again, as being a, a coach, you'll, you'll kind of, see what's correct in my right. opinion you know so uh but i appreciate the 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 tune in and uh also best talk about two different sports too football and golf like usually I like the football it. guys like a you know a big rah-rah type guy and then the golf co- coach is like i need know. a few lessons actually <laughs> hey there we go some trade-offs yeah yeah we, we, need, we can do we some need, bottoming. We, hey, we need a few more than a few lessons. <laughs> I know. We need multiple. Dude, uh, I think we get a voicemail. All right, let's go. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for all the great content. As a new coach this year, it's been really helpful. So the past couple of mailbags, uh, a few people have asked about switching programs, and a consistent part of your answer has been, well, if he's a good coach, uh, it might help to stay. I'm interested in more detail about how you define a good coach. So here's the scenario. One of your listeners can't tell if their kid's coach is a good coach. They ask you to come and check the coach out. You're nice guys, and you're on your way to a tournament in Marlboro anyway, and it's on the way. So you reluctantly agree to check this coach out. All right, so you check out the practice. What is the coach doing or saying that might make you say, yeah, this guy knows what's up? Any particular drills or what you see during practice? Perhaps you ask a few kids about the coach after. What questions might you ask those kids, and what responses from the kids would you be looking for that would, again, make you say, yeah, this is a good coach. Uh, same for games. Let's say you got a spot right near the bench so you can hear everything. Uh, at the game, what is the coach saying or doing that would make you say, yeah, it's a good coach? Uh, I imagine there's some overlap between levels, but as a new U12 PB coach, I'm interested if there's anything in particular with that age group you might look for. Thanks again. New Coach Nick from Boston. That's like one of the best voicemails we've gotten. New Coach Nick. Love it. Uh, that was, yeah, that no, was, I, I, that no, was because it's like, I, that was legitimate. one of those, I wish we broke down an email because like, uh, there was a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. Um, I'll just kick it off with what, what you look for in a coach, I would say communication, um, how they treat like their, their demeanor, number one, like just all like surface stuff, just, you know, like how they interact with like parents and coaches, just like that's like a personality thing. And then on the ice, if you if you're able to see them in a practice, are they correcting, you know, c- certain drills, right? So the, the drills, like you asked, was are they game appropriate? You know, there's always going to be like a shooting drill that's just like kind of like get your hands and feet going and, and get some shots on net. But then once that you know, kind of time goes and you're into the practice. What are they working on that can help the kids start processing the game? And if they construct drills in a way that will apply, then that's a good coach, in my opinion. Yeah. 
I got a couple things there. I, you know, I think one of the biggest things is, is that guy creating a, a fun environment where mm-hmm. kids like love showing up and love going to the rink. The other thing that I think is a real telling sign of a good coach, right, is if you sit back, right, and let, let's say new coach Nick doesn't go out on the ice and practice. Like let's say he's, he's five minutes late, right, which happens. Or maybe, you know, maybe maybe new coach Nick's talking to a parent. Maybe he gets stuck upstairs, whatever. Maybe his, his, his you know, his car runs out of gas. Yeah. Do those kids. Dog ate his what'd you say? Dog ate his homework. Yeah, whatever it is. Um, but do those kids going onto the ice, are they going to go out and screw around and, like, just, you know, cause chaos like i understand it uh, you know if, if you put a group of like five-year-olds six-year-olds out there they're going to just run into each other the whole time and create chaos but as they progress and they get older right now he he talked about coaching that i think they're 12 so like you're five minutes late for practice a young kid's gonna split up and basically organize a game or a drill on their own mm-hmm. like i think that's a sign of a pretty good coach and a pretty good team like the kids know all right hey coach is late no big deal. Instead of going out and and being absolute, you know, having madness like it's recess out here, are they going to actually get organized and start working on their own? Like I think that's a pretty good sign for a coach. So test your test your team and see that. You know what I mean? Like I've gone through it and you see it. You see the kids and and you know you also see some leadership ability and what you have, right? Like what kids step up and say, Hey guys, like, all right, red jerseys go in that corner, white jerseys go in that corner or whatever the colors may be. You know what I mean? Hey, let's throw sticks. Let's play a game and get organized till coach gets out here. I think that's a good little sign in terms of on the bench. Like is the guy joysticking? Is he every single play joysticking? Like dump it, shoot it, pass it. Like I think if you're close to the bench, and you're seeing a lot of that, like that's that's a big no-no. Like you want, you know, the kids have to learn the game. They have to learn to make plays on their own. So that's something that I would be looking for. The other thing, I just had it on the top of my head, Mots. Well, I think you got anything else? I just think it's a, you know, that's perfect. The joysticking is definitely a no-no, uh, you know, because they're too oh, emotionally. I got, I got it. I'm going to write it down. Yeah, right that before it goes out the other Yeah, before yeah. it's gone though. <laughs> Hold on, uh, let me write it on my forehead. Yeah. So um, you know, just in game, you know, like the demeanor on the bench, uh, if there's a mistake made, how do they interact with the kid? Yes. But what I liked what you said was a you know, as far as asking kids, like so if if a uh, new coach Nick is asking a kid about their experience. Is it a fun environment, right? Are they mm-hmm. learning? Do they want to come to the rink? Huge. Those, the, the, that, that's like really the the biggest telltale right there. Yeah. And, and you mm-hmm. mentioned it earlier. So that, I thought that was really good. Um, the only other thing I would add is is the coach's body language, right? Like, And, mm-hmm. and you kind of said it, but if I'm standing close to a bench and you see it when a kid screws up in practice, like obviously every coach is going to have, you know, they they're going to get aggravated at some point in time, right? But if, like, you're the coach that every time a kid makes a mistake or there's a bad goal, like, are you yelling and screaming at the kids? Are you, like, you know, f- 
flipping out, throwing your hat on the ice, hands in the air, like that type of stuff. That stuff drives me absolutely bonkers. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, and I, I get it. There's plenty of times when mistakes are played and like I get the old, you know, take the hat off and I'm like scratching the head like, oh, you know, yeah. but it's like, again, when they come back to the bench, am I, are you berating the kids? Like, no, it's, it's, hey, let's learn from our mistakes. Cause again, and that's something that we always say to the kids, right? And like hockey's a game of mistakes. Those things are going to happen. Like this coach isn't going to coach the game perfectly. Everybody's going to screw up here. You know, it's how do we, you know, approve upon our mistakes and not make the same mistake over and over and over again, right? And then in terms of of coaches too, it's like, is he a good person? Is he teaching them good life lessons? All that type of stuff, you know what I mean? Or is he like a raving lunatic that you just like, a ticking time bomb that you don't want your kid to be around. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and we talk about it a bunch, but it's, you know, coaches coach and practice. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at these, at this youth level, you know, in game adjustments are like for like a little more advanced stuff. But with that too, I would say I would, you know, if you're looking at a coach from the bench, right. Is he correcting mistakes using a board and things like that? Versus yeah. just like yelling and screaming, like, hey, you know, maybe try this play, like grabbing the board, coaching. I know personally, like there's so many times where, where players, you know, a play goes on or a goal happens and I try to do this and it's like, oh, did you see what happened in this goal? And it's like, no, I was actually watching, you know, I was talking to a player, little Johnny about, you know, what went on on the last shift and maybe you should have tried this. And I was showing him on a board, right? So that that interaction I think is an important thing to to be looking at as well. Yeah, in-game coaching versus practice coaching. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, how you interact with the kids. Like, they know they made, made a mistake, whether it led to a goal or not, whatever. But it's something that you can try and be like, all right, this is what you're going to see again in this game. And you want to try to make a better decision. These are some of your options. So, you know, like you said, like, you, you know, with the board – you know, and just talking to him, but like that's that's in-game coaching. But um, you know, I, I re- that was like one of the best voicemails, like I said, and you know, a lot, a lot of um, really kind of like straight to the point stuff that is important, actually. Big time. So like, yeah, like it's not like we dance around, you know, just like you know, we kind of broad stroke it with the the coach if you're going to move to a program or like or stay with a program as long as the coach, but like you know, specifically, what are you looking for? And I think that was a, a, a great uh, voicemail to, you know, dive a little deeper into it. Yeah. No, it was good stuff. Thank you for the voicemail. We love getting those. Obviously, um, you know, it just helps. It helps with the conversations and things like that. So that voicemail was brought to you by Franklin Sports, the official street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Check out our line of official NHL street hockey games and training equipment at franklinsports.com today. Yeah, we talked about getting out in the driveway and doing some stuff, working on some stuff. Make sure you check out franklinsports.com to get all your street hockey games and training equipment. Yeah. All right, Mott's another one here. You want to go for it? Yeah. You know, this uh, is Charles Dickens. (laughs) Love it. A.K.A. B.Y. I know. It was the best of times, the worst of times. A quote from Charles Dickens, A.K.A. Brian Yandel. (laughs) First off, the playoffs are the best of times. So much intensity and everyone that makes it has a chance in the league my child plays in. Any given Sunday. 
Second tryout season is the worst. As someone involved in the evaluation and decision-making for an elite team, there are a lot of tough decisions and even tougher conversations. And Despite always having the player's best path for development in mind, parents don't always see it that way. With that in mind, when you have a bubble player who you think would benefit from being the best on a Tier 1 team or would be just hanging on as the last forward of an elite team, where do you think is the best spot? particularly at the U10 level. Regards, the Axe Man. <laughs> so he needs to deal with Axe body spray. I know. that. that I mean, I'm, I'm that guy. I, I like the Axe stuff. So. <laughs> you like smelling fresh. Um, yeah, obviously, like... Uh, Another good question, by the way. Yeah, another good question. Uh, very difficult question, and obviously can go both ways in terms of the true development of the kid. He probably is going to be better off playing on the tier one team, getting those touches, being the kind of the big dog, and, and and things like that. Right, being the the, the best player on the team. Um, that being said, Mots, we've all seen it before, where where you know. Kids hang on by a thread and then continue to get bre- you know better and better and you know develop and end up being really good hockey players, right? At, especially at the U ten level, so it's it, it it's challenging. What what do you think? I think it goes back to kind of he referenced the parents, mm-hmm. right? So the com- the conversation with the parent and you know this what we're talking about right now like what you just said versus you know being on the top team and not getting as many touches maybe you know not gaining confidence just kind of like status quo or losing a little confidence because you're not getting the success that you would like you know whether it could be like a tape to tape pass under pressure you know like whatever that success may be um just to have that candid conversation with the parent and a lot of parents might not be open to it, but ultimately the tier one situation and having those kind of reps would be most beneficial. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I will say when I was in this situation, I, you know, I really, it doesn't happen all the time, but I also feel that, that top team being able to come up and practice and get some reps. And if there's some kids missing, like not like a call-up situation, like you don't want to make it into like this, this thing, but opportunity situation to have a kid be able to, if he's right on the bubble there, that would be the most ideal. Um, Mm -hmm. But it, you know, it's not that way in a lot of the organizations, but that's how I played it. And I would call kids up. Um, to to practice and play because I did feel that they were right there. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, what you touched on too is the the, the parents and that that status thing, right? Yeah. The elite versus the tier one. What we're seeing now, and it's very frustrating, and I did it with my own kid, was moved him off the elite team and put him with the same organization on the tier one team. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, if they're a kid, if you have that conversation with mom and dad and you say, hey, I think your kid's kind of on the bubble, he'd benefit more from playing, you know, being the better player on the tier one team. What does mom and dad do, Mots? 
No, they're they're all set. Where they're gonna go somewhere they're, else. They're chasing the elite status thing to other locations. Yeah, and it's but wrong. Not all, but not all. Not all, but a lot. Yeah, I would majority, say. Over, I would say. I would say. Um, right. I was gonna say seventy-five, eighty percent. A lot of them are gonna, are gonna <laughs> are gonna chase that elite title. Yeah. Right, which they shouldn't do. You know what I mean? Because a lot of these, you know, you might go to another team that's is so a so-called elite team, but they're not. You know, it, it's just a different atmosphere. Maybe it's a different league, and it's just a title, right? So stop the title chasing and just let the kid develop. Let him play. You know what I mean? Don't be afraid. You know, it's not a bad thing if the kid, you know, and that was what I was kind of like tossing over in my head earlier. It's like so many people nowadays. It's like, hey, your kid's not good enough, and it's like, up. Oh, well, he, he can't move down a level. He's got to stay. He's got to continue to play elite. So I got to go find this other program. And it's like, no, you don't need to do that. Like, just let the kid develop and let him play. And like you said, you know, a little bit of a call up thing, something like that, or practicing with your elite team is going to be very beneficial for the kid and, and to get the puck touches and become a better player and, and gain more confidence at the, at you know, that lesser level of play. So it's tough. It, it It's challenging. I mean, it shouldn't be this challenging. It's, you know, back in the day, that's why they had an A, B, and a C team. And, you know, now it's like there's so many teams and so many programs and people chasing the status thing, which is frustrating. Yeah. No, I think we covered it. It's just it, candid conversation with the parent, knowing that certain parents will be disappointed with that, you know, conversation. But also, if you could, you know, find a way to say it's the best for the kid um, and allow them to possibly get some practice and games um, as the season goes on, there's a lot of opportunity, in my opinion. And that's what I did, but and it, it kept. Well, sometimes that's not, I, it, sometimes just a team structure you don't have that opportunity either right like that right. has to no, kind of worked out right where you know sometimes you just you know you have a full team you have a full roster and it's hard to add you know an extra player or two for practice and things like that too so i get that part of it but i it's a great point by you yeah and I, we went like back to back with that tier one um mm-hmm. You know practice time so i would just be like hey can you stay for the practice you know it's like because we had kids playing fall sports and you know so you know just to give him you know the carrot you know to be you know hey you know you're right here and like and that those are the, th- the conversations that you need to have and like you don't want to discourage the kid you know because those elite i i hate that term but it's like you know it's not the end all be all, right? right? You know, so if a kid is like totally, you know, heart set against like making that team, it might be disappointing to him. But like if you give him, you know, the opportunities to to be a part of the group uh when you can, I think that that would be the most beneficial. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, good question from the axe man. Um, <laughs> We're a military family that is being posted this summer. We are debating flying our 11-year-old to spring trials, but we won't actually be moving until a couple a couple of months later. Is this a waste of time and money? Will he be unlikely to make the team as the new kid on the team that has already played together for a year? The only other option is a house league program that isn't very competitive and only practices once a week 
We're in Europe right now where he plays up at a, um, up an age level U13 as a U11 and um, and is one is and is one of the better defensemen on the team. He's really worked hard for the past three years that we've been here and is highly motiv- motivated to play on a competitive team at our next posting. Now that we're uh, now that we're here heading back, I feel like we've failed him by coming here. Silly, I know, taking him out of the mix. And this is from a stressed hockey mom. Uh, well, th- thank you for the service, number one, right? Yep. 100%. Um, I will say if you could do it, I would recommend maybe making that flight and getting in the mix, mm-hmm. even though it's a couple months away, um, you know, financially and like, you know, logistically. If it doesn't work and, you know, whatever, you could possibly be, if he's a good player, he's going to be wanted. Right. So um, if you can do it, I would I would do it. Uh, The other thing is, you know, when you get back and and get settled, it's, you know, a a new environment for your son and just finding. But like he would have a built in kind of like network of of friendships. Yeah. Yeah. Like so that's where I would say you make the effort. You know whether it be a top team, second team, tier one, like we were talking about, but then it's an easier transition for your son, and that you know locker room and that hockey community will make him feel a little bit more comfortable very quickly. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it, it's tough, obviously, coming from Europe. Um, you know, it, it, if worst case scenario, you let's just say get stuck and and have to play in the house league. I would talk to the coaches about, you know, kind of what we just touched on. If you can maybe get into some practices and meet some kids at that higher level of play, obviously I think that would be good. Obviously Mots, we had a, a post about this pretty, um, you know, with pretty good timing, obviously, but the PCS season is coming. That means military kids are getting ready to move. Uh, we posted this a couple of days ago on March 21st. So it's all, you know, goes through all the, um, the you know, the different cities and, and, and where things are. But I can talk about that, you know, we I'll read this post quickly. So PCS season permanent change of station is coming for military kids because of frequent move. Military kids aren't often afforded the opportunity to play with the same hockey program for too many years, breaking into new programs, trying out when tryouts have already happened, making new connections. They're all really hard problems that make a continue can make continuing a sport hard. Let's make it a little easier on them. If you're, if your military affiliated players are moving and you're near a military installation, tag your program below so parents know where to look. Let's continue to grow the game together. We'll start the ball rolling. Uh, and that's from at Cape Fear Hockey. So obviously hit those guys up. They go through. They have you know Fort Bragg, Cape Fear Hockey, Columbia, South Carolina, Columbia, South uh, Cyclone Youth Hockey, Charleston, Columbus, Tampa, Huntsville, Richmond. So it goes kind of on and on, which is uh, this is really cool. No, it's great. I, I think it's a great program, and it's very appropriate to this you know, question. And, you know, again, w- what I mentioned is, like, you have that built-in, you know, infrastructure immediately yep. when, you know, you're, you're moving back or m- moving back to the U.S., but also, like, 
into a unknown place for number one, your kid who is, you know, you know, it's not silly like that, you know, you failed him, you know, like you're doing the right things. So this is just another avenue for him to be settled quickly and get more comfortable around in his surroundings. And hockey is a, a very big um, kind of like component to that number one, not moving around. But like if you move into a new area, you can identify with like like-minded kids and, um, you know, and, and use the game to uh, grow relationships. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. I can remember when, you know, one of my brother's teammates got traded to the Bruins here with the Bruins. I'm sorry, from Phoenix to Boston, Derek Morris, former guest of ours. And, you know, when he came here and, you know, my father and stuff, they, they kind of helped to get, like, that's one of the biggest things, right. Is making sure that your kids are happy and they have a routine and they're making friendships, not only at school, but away from um, school with the, with their buddies. And the same thing happens, whether it's coaching or players like guys like that, moving from city to city that are, you know, obviously the service NHL level, like not comparable, but that they, they, they deal with the same type of things. And, you know, Derek Morris was so grateful to my father, just like going around, getting to different ranks. And, you know, he, he got him into Charlestown youth hockey and he made buddies there and, um, you know, got his boys kind of playing and set up on teams and things. So it's, you know, again, even if it's the house league level to start, you know, it's not the end of the world because you, you're around 15 like-minded kids that are going to be buddies and they're going to have a good time playing. And that's really what it's all about. And and then, you know, again, Maybe it's not the correct level, but if you get you're there and you get settled and you know anything can happen. You start, you know, going to different practices with other teams and you never know what can happen. Yeah. And Coaches are always looking for that little diamond in a rough. Right. And hopefully we took a little stress off the stressed hockey mom. Yeah. Well make sure we uh you know, look up that post to that permanent, uh, the PCS permanent change of station, um, you know, that post that we have, because that has that all kind of spelled out. All right. Uh, all right, Mott's time for the My Hockey Rankings question of the week. Actually, we have two of them this week. So once again, myhockeyrankings.com. We, uh, we can't thank them enough for their support of the podcast and everything they do for us. Uh, why does the E9 Elite League have one and done playoffs? Think the E9 should adopt the EHF playoff system. Ugh, the one seed in the 09 league just got bounced. <laughs> Sounds like a frustrated uh yeah, a one seed. The <laughs> one and done. The one and done. It's like the NCAAs. Yeah, I mean that that's the way it's structured. Um I mean you could speak because to it because you had the uh, EHF playoffs just recently, but if, if it's structured that way and, you know, you go through the whole season and you're a number one seed, which is, you know, congratulations. But when it matters, you got to win games. And, mm-hmm. you know, so the playoff system, you know, like you don't want everyone getting a trophy. You know, it's like not one of those situations where, you know, but the EHF does have it a little bit more round robin. So, right. So they just to break it down for our listeners that aren't here. So obviously the E9s here in Massachusetts, um, or at least in New England, and also the EHF, which is two different leagues, the Eastern Hockey Federation and the E9. The E the EHF does a round robin um, playoff weekend, the first weekend of the year. So you, you basically play three different games. There's two um, two divisions, and then the top four teams from you know, top two teams from each, each division basically end up 
making the finals weekend, the semifinals, and then the finals. Obviously, the E9 is a one and done. Honestly, I, I really don't hate the one and done. Like, because it's one game, you got to show up and, like, you know, you can't take a team too lightly. You know what I mean? And I've seen it, I've seen it work both ways where I was the one seed, um, a couple of years in a row with with my youngest team and we came out that on that round robin weekend and didn't have success either like we you know tie a game or two and then end up losing a close one like that's hockey in general so whatever the format may be um whatever your league decides like i i think either one is fine because no matter what there's learning experiences from them and and you know we, we've able to you know we personally for for my 2011 team like we lost a couple years early uh, you know i think one year was like covid impacted but um you know with a with the whole season ended up getting shut down but then now it's like we've built on it and and had success and then this past year we you know ended up winning the championship at the Wee minor level which is great but you know i could have seen it, if we were one and done we could have lost our first game and been completely out of it as well so it's it, you know things like that happen and i think it's a, a learning experience for the kids yeah, I, I just think it's, you know, league driven and, you know, two different models, but I don't I don't have a, you know, a gripe with either one. Like if, yeah, if you I really don't. E9, yeah. If you're in the E9, you got to show up when it comes down to it. So like you position yourself, you know, appropriately if you are the number 1 seed, then you should be beating the the bottom team, right? right. So it's just Unfortunate that the one C got bounced, but um, yeah, I would I say I would say this too. So you know, if you base it off the the, the rankings and things like that, mm-hmm. that one versus nine type, like it's actually set up easier for you to get to the final weekend and things like that. That one undone, like oh, you're playing a weaker team, but that's why we always talk about like hockey. Oh, no God, matter yeah. what the rankings in, like anybody can beat anybody on any given night. You got to show up, and that's the thing. Maybe your guys. Because they were the big dogs, they kind of took that team a little bit too lightly, right? Yep. And now you learn from that mistake, and now next year going into it, no matter what you finish, right? Um, it's the, you you got to be better. So right. I don't hate it. I, don't, I no. really don't hate it. I really don't hate it. I'll get to part two here. Uh, yeah, hello. part I had, a, I had a question for you guys. I listen to the podcast faithfully and love it and a lot of great guidance as well here's my question if a top 10 team in my hockey rankings loses eight of its 16 players at the end of the season before tryouts happen would you say that's a big coaching problem or a kid slash parent problem look forward to the insight thanks and that's from chris it's tough to say right yeah like where where yeah where are they where are they going i i would say you know, just like from, you know, the uh, outside looking in here, I would say a lot of it would have to do with the coach. Mm-hmm. If half the team is leaving, because what we talked about earlier, is it a good environment? Is he developing the kids? Is he communicating well? Like all that. So that that's just, I mean, we're just kind of throwing it out there. But if there is... Eight out of the the sixteen players uh, leaving. That's legit half the team. There's there is something other than you know. I I don't know. Like parents are parents, kids. I I would say it, it falls on the coach. Right. May, maybe unfairly from not getting a, a ton of uh, background, but I I think that could be a real 
driver behind this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It, obviously, if any team's losing half of its players, uh, there's some issues going on. Um, so I would definitely like to hear a little bit more, you know, backstory on it. Like, where are they going? Are they going to a team that's ranked higher than them? Um, so can yeah. we ask Chris to, like, you know, try and Yeah, maybe, maybe Chris. Chris, if you can, send a follow-up question, you know, part two of part two for the My yeah. Hockey Rankings question of the week. And uh, and give us a little bit more story so we can just kind of, you know, again, it, you don't need to go into too, too much detail. But if we can kind of get some questions. Yeah. Of well, ours. Like, initially, I would just say it would be to retain, you know, the bulk of the team. It's up to the coach. Right. You've been mm-hmm. there before. So to lose half the team, I think it's still on the coach. Right. Yeah. Um, just from this, you know, kind of simple kind of scenario but um right yeah, Chris, is that is, can... is is like the coach and those eight kids staying you know like the other eight kids are they all staying in one place you know what i mean or is it like there's eight kids that now they're a top 10 team and now that you know that they're trying to get to the the third ranked team or whatever it is right so like yeah. I, I definitely want to yeah. uh hear a little bit more about Barbara, this from appreciate Chris. tuning in and you know chiming in with the my hockey rankings question of the week, but I would love some more. Yeah, keep them coming. Mots, before we wrap up here, obviously some really good uh, mailbag questions there. Got us thinking. The voicemail was great, um, but I did want to give a shout-out to a uh, former guest, our original guest, Brian Boyle, on his retirement. Uh, we'll be able to, you know, he sniped your job down at the NHL Network. <laughs> Apparently he's he's a he's little more bit handsome. more. I was going to say he's a little bit more relevant, handsome. I mean, whatever. Right. Yeah, I was texting with him. He, he did a great job. So Brian Boyle. Has he been on? I missed him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so episode number one from the Rings Ranks, mm-hmm. the, the inaugural uh, guest, which is like pretty cool. Awesome dude. Just like really, really good guy. Um, but yeah, I watched good, him. Good on guy, the, local guy. Yeah, well, watched him on the telecast and uh, did a really, really good job. Was, you know, comfortable, knows what he's talking about. Um and, you know, I, I was texting back and forth with him about a few things from what I saw when I was down there. And he, um, you know, we were just getting back and forth between like, uh, like he was doing it again the next night. And he just, he's just a natural in my opinion, but he's a very good person doing a good job. So congrats on a great career and uh, look forward to hitting the links with him. He can hit the ball. I mean, he's at six, seven, he has some wingspan that he can smash that thing so yeah he can generate some power <laughs> yeah he can <laughs> he can generate some power on the course and he gets pretty intense out there too and so now he's going to be even more intense that he, he's not playing hockey anymore you know what I mean? you know maybe he'll just chill out and just be like a retiree but it's great for him obviously unbelievable career um you know i was fortunate enough you know to play against him in high school and college and then he continued you know what 16 17 years played for yep. you know he was always a part of a winner he was always part of teams that, you know, he was great on the penalty kill. I remember back at BC, you know, the LA Kings took him in the first round. And then they tried moving him back to defense because he was a big body. And then he went, you know, a couple of years. I think he even started playing pro as, as a defenseman. Yeah, Manchester um, he did, yeah. In Manchester. Then they moved him up to the Kings. And obviously his career with the Rangers, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. He was in Florida, Pittsburgh last yeah, year. I mean, he's... 
New Jersey, right? Like he's, yeah. you know, but he cancer. was, yeah, like like you kind of script some of the stuff. He scores on cancer, yes, know, uh, hockey yeah. fights cancer night. It's like it's all good stuff and comes from a great family, you know, oh. he's huge, huge family. So he's one of the better guys out there. But you know, congratulations on a great career, man. Yeah, great career, and now he's giving back to the youth a little bit more too. I know he's involved with the Breakers program, uh, you know, down on the South Shore coaching. He, him and Jimmy Russo have, I think. I think they're 2014s or 13s that, you know, younger guys that are getting in the mix. So it's good to see a, you know, hockey guy that'll be uh, around the rinks quite a bit. So, and, and again, once again, congrats to Brian on a heck of a career, you know, a couple other things here, Mots. We've heard from some people about, you know, the, the shrinks coming out and running some different camps. So we've, we, we got a few things that are in the works. So, but continue to hit us up. Uh, maybe it's Michigan, maybe it's, you know, saratoga springs wherever wherever this show needs to go we'll we'll travel so uh we're looking forward to that and keep those things coming in uh obviously any questions send them to rink shrinks at gmail dot rink shrinks at gmail.com uh the voicemails that was a great voicemail this week uh three four seven six shrink uh, 347-674-7465. Obviously, we appreciate that stuff and all the interaction on Instagram, right? At the Rink Shrinks, Twitter, uh, at Rink Shrinks. We, again, the, the interaction is really, really helpful and, you know, it helps keep this ball rolling, right, Mots? Yeah, no, it's great, you know, to have like an engaged audience that asks questions and, you know, we, we can answer all the questions you know, to our ability, but like every situation is different, right? So it's really good to just have an open dialogue about, you know, different uh, scenarios and, you know, kind of like get the brain going a little bit and hopefully give some, uh, some decent feedback for people. But I love the voicemail this week. Love, love hearing like the voicemail. So uh, make sure you definitely uh, leave a voicemail if you can at three, four, seven, six shrink. All right, Mott. Uh, once again, I just want to thank the sponsors because obviously, you know, we've been at this 115 episodes in and we wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be here without those guys. They allow us to, you know, keep these things rolling along. We'll be back on the ice soon, too, which will be fun. That's coming up April 10th. Um, all those spots, I think, are sold out in the camp. I know the younger ones, there might be one or two left with the older kids, but uh, we're looking forward to getting on the ice. But thanks to the the sponsors, obviously, Sparks Hockey, TSR Hockey, Franklin Sports, and My Hockey Rankings. And uh, time to cue the Rink Shrink Shuffle jersey, unless you got something else, Mots. Yeah, we get, uh, you know, we're throwing out a camp out there down the Cape. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, April 27th through June first and it's mm-hmm. a six week uh tony kent arena in south dennis so uh we'll have the information out on social media this week so if you're in the area or vacationing or whatnot um and the rinkshrinks.com yeah exactly it'll be on rinkshrinks.com and we'll put it on the socials as well so make sure if you're in that area um sign up and we'll, we'll be doing our d specific camp um down the cape Awesome. All right, Mots, I think now it's time for the Rink Shrink Shuffle. Do it.